0: This is the Dive Bomb Squadcast, presented by Dive Bomb Industries. All right, good morning, good afternoon, and good evening to all of our Dive Bomb Squadcast listeners. I'm your host Kyle Jones, and I'm actually freshly moved in into a, a house in Michigan, just moved across the country. Uh, trying to get things unpacked and everything like that and I've got one heck of a uh, guest for us today um, And he is from the land of Dixie. He is uh, a Tennessee boy and you have actually seen him on a couple of our YouTube vlogs uh, It is one of my good buddies. He was he was a groomsman at my wedding um, duck hunting pal uh, love turkey hunting with this dude and his name is Drew Comer uh, Drew man thank you for hopping on with us today.
1: Man thanks for having me it's a pleasure I'm, I'm already enjoying it. <laughs> <laughs> man, pro,
0: man, Yeah yeah no absolutely man I uh, you know a couple weeks ago Drew and I were down turkey hunting and uh, we did uh, the youth hunt got our our young buddy Landry on a bird and then actually almost got him on a second bird and and then Drew and I hunted together for the Tennessee opener and Doubled up. It was it was an absolute time. How's turkey season been down there, Drew?
1: Man, it's been slowing down a little bit on us. You know, everything everything's greened up down here. You know, we've had some pretty consistent spring, actual spring weather. You know, um some summer like days, and those birds have really broken up more than they have since you were here. You know, what was that? Just a few weeks ago. Yeah, it was. So-
0: that was like April first weekend of April, and dude, that was like every single bird was flocked up big time. That was a grind,
1: man. Yeah. That was a, a grind. I mean, we, we worked our butts off for those two turkeys. Oh
0: yeah. And you, like you've gone and taken, taken a couple buddies out, but last weekend, I want to hear about last weekend, man, because you did something that
1: was pretty rad. Oh, with, uh, with little man.
0: Yeah. Do tell me, tell oh, me about dude,
1: it? This guy. Yeah. So this was, this was an awesome deal. So one of my childhood friends lives right down the road from me, you know, we've grown up turkey hunting together, chasing these things. And, uh, and he gave me a call uh, a couple of weeks prior to this hunt. He was like, man, I've got these two boys from Chattanooga that are absolutely dying to turkey hunt with us. Is there any way we can make this happen? And I was like, yeah, I mean, you know, absolutely. It sounds awesome. And he told me the age group, and I'm like, even better. You know, that fired me up. Just just the thought of getting youngsters out there is, is you know, a pretty cool thing. So, you know, I was like all for it right from the get-go. And um, He calls me back a little bit closer to the hunt, and he was like, all right, man these boys are, they're super fired up to meet you. And he may have stretched the truth on me a little bit. And he told these kids that I was some professional hunter or something. Um, it was pretty funny, but I ended up meeting these two boys and they were, uh, they were all excited. I mean, this is the first turkey out they've ever been on. And, uh, you know, we, we were able to get them right underneath quite a few hens. They got right. I mean, right on top of us. Um, they were about 20 feet up in the tree. You know, we were down in a, in a creek bottom, just a beautiful setting, had the hens starting their tree yelps, you know, talking for the boys. I mean, just gave the full-on show. They pitched right at our feet. Um, they got to see a few jakes. One of the boys elected not to shoot. He had the opportunity. So I was pretty proud to see that. You know, he was uh he was he was patient. Um, but we had a heck of a show down there in the creek bottom and you know, worked our way up to the to the top of this huge ridge with a big cattle pasture. Pretty much centers this whole farm. And uh, there was an old cemetery in the center of it with a cluster of trees. We got the boys in the in the cluster and we set up a blind, you know, just uh, just some brush here and there, some tree limbs that had fallen around us and set up a single hand decoy and just kind of waited it out. At this point it was about nine o'clock and we waited it out for a couple of hours. And man, we had two longbeards come from behind us these boys were facing the north end of the field, and my buddy and I are facing the south. Had our backs all, all together. And these birds come right up to uh, my buddy and I. I mean, they skirt us at about 30 yards, and they're coming on our left side. And we're talking to the boys this whole time, you know, trying to keep them in, in contact. We were just in a tight spot, you know, tight situation. And uh, the boy to our right had an opportunity to shoot, and he swung to shoot. As soon as he did, he moved a little too quick. The bird busted him. he wasn't able to connect on that these birds slipped off and we were you know a few minutes into coaching these boys back up and telling them it's not over yet and sure enough another bird comes right back out on the left side and uh he saw the decoy and just did it perfect he was all by himself just did his thing came right up to the decoys and um the boy to the left or 12 year old he hammered him absolutely hammered him um and it was it was a cool thing to see really really cool
0: that's cool, man, and and you know hearing hearing that story like I got the rundown from you before, but I want I want all of our listeners to know what their dad messaged you because that that to me is I think what everybody strives for. So man, go go
1: ahead. That was, mean, that was a pretty awesome feeling. I can't really put it into words. You know, I mean, I just a few days have gone by after this hunt. And um, you know, everybody was super grateful. You know, this this kid's family, you know, was up there at the house whenever we pulled up with this turkey and you know, they were all just so, so happy for him and everything. And I shook hands with a lot of the family members, you know, and a lot of great people. And that was a cool experience in itself. But a couple of days afterwards, um, the the father of the boy who had shot the turkey, he reached out to me and said, Man, I just want to let you know that, you know, my boy has been telling everybody about this hunt and how awesome it was, and he said it was the best day of his life. Yeah. And I just can't for presenting that opportunity to him. That and is,
0: that is cool. That
1: it is. was awesome. Man. It's still, it's giving me goosebumps right now. Oh, dude, know? I
0: got, I got them too, man. I, I got him too, because. We were, we were that kid once. It, it, bingo. We were, we were that kid. Uh, and, and it was one hunt that changed our life, you know, and that's, that's, that's what you got. That's what you gave that kid
1: just burned it into his brain.
0: Dude, I mean, not just burned it. I mean, talking hot brand, just yeah. searing it, dude, just, just, uh, just lighting a fire under that kid's oh, behind. Yeah. And
1: I'm, or, yeah, I'm pretty sure his dad is going to be sending me some different texts later on down the road. Like he <laughs> created a monster.
0: Well, that's, that's kind of what I had with, uh, with Landry, right? So you got to hunt with Landry and I yes. took, you know, I took him out duck hunting and turkey hunting and uh, you know after his duck hunt i apologize to his parents in advance i'm like look this kid i'm so sorry because financially i know what he's about to go do (laughs) so so i I apologize for that in advance same thing with turkey hunting you know any and these kids i mean they're gonna they're gonna pay attention they're gonna they're gonna watch what camo you wear they're gonna watch what decoys you you use what calls you use man it's a it's oh, pretty yeah. pretty cool pretty cool feeling uh, and
1: it, it's an even better feeling to be able to see it this early and watch the growth
0: yes yes yeah you know? landry was like he was 14 how how old are those guys they were younger they were like uh, 13 yeah dude that's awesome man that is awesome man so uh obviously our viewer or you know anybody who's watched our youtube vlogs they've they've seen you you got you got your leg band uh when we were out hunting in uh the pacific northwest uh first mallard band ever so they know you can shoot they know you can duck hunt duck call and they know you know we've talked enough about turkey calling and and turkey hunting and and all that stuff man uh you do a little bit of duck calling competitions as well, but man, I want to get into something that I don't think we've ever talked about on the dive bomb squad cast. Uh, and that is, uh, bow fishing and you know, that's, it's huge down by you, uh, you do a lot of competitions, stuff like that. But man, I think, you know, a giant majority of our customers are from like Minnesota, Wisconsin. Iowa, North Dakota, so there's a ton of people that uh, bow fish as well, or you know, think about it, have thought about it, and you know, maybe want to start getting into it. So let's let's talk about it, man. Let's let's if uh, you know if 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 I decided, hey man, like say I don't have a boat, right? Because I know you can do it from the bank and stuff like that. Obviously, the boat is the ideal setup with the lights, the whole gambit, right? Uh, if if I wanted to say go bow fishing tomorrow right i want to pick up a new hobby it looked cool on youtube saw a bunch of highlights and stuff like that man i want to go do it what what are the essentials that i need for uh to get started into bow fishing
1: man nowadays since this sport has exploded so much i've been involved in it for a long time and i've seen the growth of it now is a better time than ever to Get introduced to it because of the just the ease of access. I mean, and the number is growing every year as far as boaters. You know, guys that have rigged their boats, guys that are going out on a consistent basis. I mean, it's constantly growing. We're seeing it at all of our tournaments that we go to every year. With that being said, if you if you are involved with social media in any way, it's not that hard to find somebody that boat fishes. And nine times out of ten, I know a lot of guys in this community. We're all down to take new people. Yeah, you know, I, I work at a school. Um, it's my normal nine-to-five, and, you know, we we take a ton of kids because we drag the boat here all the time. Um, it's just simply located in Nashville, and there's a lot of bodies of water that aren't too terribly far that we can access quickly, and uh, we end up taking a lot of the boys because of that. And, I mean, it's just, you know, experiences like that are what make, you know, what making the sport grow so fast. With it growing that fast, like I said, there's just endless opportunities to hook up with somebody and go. I mean, I I can scroll through my phone and I can probably come across fifty or more contacts where I could hit them up and we would probably be on the water within twenty four hours. I mean, it's just everybody's. It's just a tight community and everybody's willing to take people. Yeah. So it's not it's not hard to reach out and find someone to, you know someone to take you. But if you wanted to do it on your own, it's not that difficult either. You know, uh, like you said, bank shooting is an insanely popular thing. I mean, it is blown up because of, you know, our invasive species that we're constantly battling with, like our Asian carp, you know, our big head carp. Um, these things congregate in dams by the thousands, if not millions. And a lot of these guys will just go down to the bank and just work on them all day and that's not a, that's not a hard thing to come by. You know, there's, there are some days just like fishing with anything else. There are some days that are better than others, but man, there are some, there are some really, really good opportunities there as well. Um yeah, if if you were to get started into it, I would highly push for just the sake of reaching out. Just find somebody that's involved with it. You don't necessarily have to find a guide, you know, offer to pitch in for gas or pitch in for the, you know, the drinks, food, whatever, you know, whatever your captain of that night would want for his boat. You know, just offer that. Nine times out of ten, he's going to tell you to come on.
0: Yeah.
1: You just got to be prepared to. You know, break the bank after that yeah it's pretty poisonous once you get involved
0: well like give us give us like a little breakdown there of you know every you know when it comes to like i feel like that this happens when it comes to waterfowling right there's a lot of guys that are like man i want to go duck hunting and you're like man do you really want to go duck hunting because do you understand how much stuff is involved with duck hunting (laughs) you know what i'm saying so give give us give us a little breakdown i mean you've got you know you've got your whole boat lined up head to toe i mean your take you can take four to five people out on your boat any given night right so break break it down dude let's let's hear it
1: man i mean when you're just when you're just getting into the boat first of all you know you gotta have your gotta have your power to get to and from you know you gotta have a good solid reputable outboard and yeah the bare necessities for your boat right um there's so many different rigs when it comes to boat fishing mine In particular is a troller rig so i have to have my trolling motor i have to have batteries i have to have you know an inverter to keep my batteries charged so i can run continuously i gotta have my lights you know we do most of our fishing at at night although we do have a lot of spots during the day that we can we can do well but the bulk majority of it is at night and with that being said i have to run a generator you know to power my lights so you're looking at a pretty hefty expense there (laughs) as well um you know and then you start to get into your equipment with your bows and the arrows i mean i can't tell you how many arrows break or get lost or line gets cut and they you know somebody shoots a log 20 feet down yeah you know stuff like that happens all the time so you got your constant flow of expenses like your arrows your tips your knocks your safety slides on your arrows your replacement line your finger savers on your bow strings it's just like you know your Basic necessities for waterfowl, like your ammo and stuff, your expendable, your expendable stuff that you constantly go through. Uh, there's a there's a constant revolving door of that, but um, you know these bows are not cheap either. Um, I I have just some generic bows that our our clients shoot, um, and they they typically run you know three four hundred bucks a piece. and then the ones that we shoot for our tournaments, you know they're uh, they're a little bit different style, they're a little bit um, on the heftier side on the on the price tags and yeah. those also big too. So that's, I feel know, like it, that's kind of, of,
0: that's kind of expected. Like if you're, you know, oh, your yeah. competition, I mean, in, anything, if you go, uh, target shooting archery stuff or target shooting, you know, clay pigeons and stuff like that with, with shotguns. Yeah. I mean, you're, you're talking now yeah. you, you don't got a, you don't have a $1,500 shotgun. You've got a three to four or to $5,000 shotgun that you're shooting you know what i'm saying
1: exactly so yeah so yeah that that number always you know tends to climb and you know with the reels you know we put our reels through a ton of abuse um and i use two different styles of reels uh, depending on who we have if we have clients you know i use uh, a little bit hardier reel than what i would use on my personal rig but mine is you know built for more finesse style fishing. Um, but I know that I can hand off these reels to, you know, people who have never picked up a bow before and they're probably not going to break it that night. Yeah. Uh, so, you know, there's, there's a couple of different variances there with that, but, um, but man, it's, it's all pricey. It just depends on how far you want to get into it. Um, but it's also like anything else, you know, you can, you can take it into moderation and you can just be a bank shooter and get you a, you can get on Craigslist or, you know, get on Facebook Marketplace and buy a $150 compound boat and just get a, get, get a real it. Yeah, exactly. Like you can take it as far as you want to. It's just like anything else. I
0: but, know, I know like back up here in Michigan, dude, like there's a, there's a spot in our area that will actually, I mean, right now it's flooded bad because we've gotten a ton mm-hmm. of, ton of rain here in the past week. Um, but like, you know, once the, once that river level drops a little bit, uh it's landlocked water and it's only like waist deep so like we go we go wade through it and shoot fish i mean because you see them all you see them moving you see them you know their backs (laughs) are poking out of the water you know so uh all we did was go get go to like sportsman's warehouse or anything like that get a cheap reel with an arrow and and be all set
1: and you're good to go absolutely yeah Yeah. and you know, that's a perfect example. Um, you know, I've, I've met, I've met guys on both ends of the spectrum with the sport, and it seems like they all have the exact same feeling that I do. I mean, there's just no mistaking it. If you've been doing it a while, you know, it's just, a, it's just an addicting sport. I mean, it's, it's what gets me, gets me going. Whenever turkey season is out and I can't hunt ducks, yeah, I can chase fish. Yeah, you know, that, yeah, that bridges the gap for me
0: so 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 for the guys that you know there's there's gonna be a lot of people that are listening that are like man that sounds pretty cool but also there's you know we start with waterfowlers we start talking about duck and goose calling contests and there's a lot of guys that don't realize those are going on so what so there's there's like bow fishing for you know for recreation right and then there's but let, let's hear the levels of at which this can go because i know that you've done some some tournaments and stuff like that like let's you know talk about okay. some of the money there that's there and that can be involved and like the places you can go
1: yeah man so the like I said the community's huge first off and that being said there's tournaments you know there are local shoots and your your top 10 national shoots uh, give or take Every year, and it's it's just a matter of what region of the of the nation you want to fish, and you can find some tournaments to go to. But there's there's always a few that stand out nationwide. Um, you know, there's a Bass Pro host a huge one. They've got a pretty successful program going. The U.S. Open that usually hosts about two or three hundred boats. You know, um, each each year, and I mean, man, their pot is right around thirty five, you know, thirty five thousand dollars with a big fish pot, you know, it can get pretty, it can get pretty steep out there. And the competition is, is pretty, (laughs) pretty intimidating as well with those shoots. But I mean, man, when it comes to tournaments like that, whenever you see your, your really big names in the boat fishing world, running airboats and, you know, um, scouting for weeks on end leading up to the shoot, if they, you know, if they place within that top five, they might break even after it's all said and done with. When you get to that level, it's strictly bragging rights. I mean, that's all these guys care about, you know. Um, but these local shoots, you know, smaller numbers of boats can still have good turnouts, and you know, you can you can make you a little money doing it. But um, there's there's a whole spectrum with with the tournament game as well. I mean, you can shoot a local, like for example, around here uh, we have a couple of guys that host some local shoots. You know, every spring, every summer, usually have about a dozen or so. We'll have anywhere from, you know, six boats show up to 30 boats, you know, it, that number fluctuates every week. And it just depends on, you know, the availability of everyone else. Um, but, and that also, dict, you know, it also dictates your pot. Um, but the, the big, you know, those 10 or so big annual tournaments usually have massive turnouts. And, um, I mean, it's not uncommon to, you know, go to these, you know, these designated locations for these tournaments and scout, a week ahead of time and see, you know, 50 or so other sets of lights looking at the same, you're looking at, you know, and I've fished, I fished in a lot of places, um, man, one of the, one of the busiest bodies of water I've ever seen was in Louisiana, you know, um, just insane amount of boats out there doing the same thing we're doing, but it's just because of the ecosystem. Yeah how many fish that that area hosts. It almost seemed like overkill when I saw it at the time, but I mean, dude, there's just a lot of fish down there. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, are,
0: are, are you shooting like redfish down there too? or most,
1: you... Yeah, mostly a lot of guys are going after redfish and alligator gar. Okay. So the, the big thing down there is alligator gar. Um, gotcha. There's a couple of guides, a couple of really, really successful guides um, that are down in the, like in the Venice, the Burus and Venice area that do some some pretty impressive stuff man i mean they they shoot six seven eight foot fish on a consistent basis i mean they they look like dinosaurs i uh, was able to put my eyes on one uh a couple of years back that was over eight feet and she was about 180 pounds and that was uh that was pretty intimidating i've never seen never seen anything like that with gills before in my life. yeah um we weren't able to get her in the boat but that was uh that was that was pretty impressive and yeah, there's uh, there's there's a lot out there, man. There's that's a really really cool place to be. Um, but we've, I mean, I've gone up to the Ozarks, you know, and fished um, Lake of the Ozarks, Table Rock Lake, areas like that, and it's it's so crazy to see the diversity in the water and the ecosystems all over the country that are so different. You know, I mean, get up north, you got a lot, you got a lot of cleaner water to work with.
0: Right oh, there. dude. We, back in uh, September, uh, Forrest and I were up in Minnesota with our buddies uh, at Pitt Properties, Duncan Abram. Duncan made a phone call, and these dudes rolled up with like a 24 foot boat, dual surface drive, little like control switch on the front of this boat. So the dude that's driving the boat, bro, is like, sitting there on the front with a joystick and he i mean dude i was just like this is this is intense dude because it's like dual surface drives you know the whole wiring through the all the way through the you know there's lights all around every single corner of this boat and we're going you know the whole time we're going through six inches eight inches of water And just Mm -hmm. finding fish and they're like nope, nope nope log log (laughs) like (laughs) trying to make sure we didn't shoot a log or anything but it was fun man uh but you know like what uh have you ever had anybody because obviously you know you go out on you go out on on some lakes and some rivers and there's people that live on them it's public it's a public lake you know do you get people coming out yelling at you all the time or what
1: Man, it really depends. Uh, it, it doesn't happen to me a lot. I will say that um, it happens. It you really have to be asking for it yourself because these highly populated areas on some of these lakes that we fish can be easily avoided. You know, yeah. Um, some people just like to like to you know disregard the houses and go fish the spot because you know it's it might be a good spot and everybody knows that there's probably fish there. But um, you know, I would say in that scenario you're gonna have somebody along that cul-de-sac come out and either shine a flashlight at you or, <laughs> you know try to push you on somewhere and you know it's it's an etiquette that we all try to we all try to you know be mindful of it's just like anything else you know like um like with the, the whole hunting industry you know if one guy does a bad thing we're all known as that bad guy yeah you know it's unfortunate but you know we have some boats that will light up a house all night long if they've got fish in front of them yeah you know and there's other guys that will do the exact opposite And i've actually fished with some guys that have their lighting rigged so that they can shut off you know their entire left side of their boat that might be casting light at a neighborhood so that they can fish the right side of the boat you know i mean there's different ways to go around it there's this easily avoidable yeah that's and that's why i say it doesn't happen to me a lot because it's you know it's it has to be It has to be a crazy situation, like rolling up on a camper, (laughs) you know, somebody in a tent out in the middle of the woods that I would not expect uh, just come around a point and see, you know. But nine times out of ten, they're all pretty cool. They're they're all pretty, you know, um, reasonable and pretty interested in what we got going on. So yeah, it's it's mostly, you know, it's all it's all easily avoidable stuff. So I'm I would say no, it doesn't doesn't happen a lot.
0: So what uh, you know, what are the species mainly that you in your area, you know that you're that you're
1: shooting. Man, we're pretty diverse. That's the cool thing about where we're from. You know, all of these different bodies of water host different things, and um, for the most part, we've got pretty much everything in the carp family. You know, we've got the common carp, the grass carp. We've got our invasive species like the silver carp that jump. You know, and the the big head carp, which is their their big brothers. Um, you know, we've got the sucker fish, uh, the buffalo. Those are the you know the great big fish that I' like to go after
0: that's what um, we but... shot, right we shot a couple yep. buffalo
1: yep. yep we shot some buffalo together um, yeah they get they get pretty big and they're like small hippos whenever you shoot them they're pretty fun but uh other than that you've got your you got your uh, red horse suckers and you know basically um, big minnows if you will they're uh, the sucker family is known for just a bunch of creek style chub fish yeah and there's only few of them that actually get big enough to want to go after and shoot and the buffalo is one of them but uh other than that man we've got our, our predator fish you know our long nose and short nose gar and we yeah. have our bow fin um some people have the relative of them the snake head yeah, yeah i'm sure that's those what, things are pretty
0: yeah that's pretty, what i see getting uh, shot a lot on the east coast like yep. uh chesapeake yep. bay area
1: maryland yep. virginia they're really bad over there yep. yeah absolutely and we've We've got the cousins of those here, and um, some people have shot actual snakehead here as well. It's it's one of those things where I'm not going to say they don't exist here, that <laughs> we just don't see a lot of them. Yeah. And then, you know, on top of that, it's another crazy thing that we we carry in this area are like goldfish. Yeah. Um, you know, and in these heavily populated areas, a lot of people release fish, and these fish mate with a lot of the carp and the other you know, minnow species in these creeks and they'll create hybrids and you'll have all kinds of koi fish and, you know, different colored goldfish traveling up and down these creeks. And I mean, and a, koi,
0: a, a koi is a, a, a glorified carp. You know what I'm saying? Like it's the exact same.
1: It's the exact same thing. It's just color colored face.
0: Yeah. And expensive.
1: So inexpensive, exactly. <laughs> um, but yeah, a lot of these people release those fish into the lakes and rivers and it's not that uncommon to see one. Yeah. Um, so it's pretty cool. We, I mean, every time we go, we always tell new people, you know, don't don't plan on expecting one thing in particular because it's different every time. You know, I mean, we're, we're not we're not going out and seeing the same species of fish in the same area every single night. You know, everywhere that we go is always different. Yeah. Uh, so that is another cool aspect. I think that's one thing that can that you know keeps. Going.
0: So uh, so going back to our beginner set up right um is there you know is there an optimal uh like sign right that that that's what we're looking for or this is going to be tend to be a little bit better area than than another area or you know like conditions like what what is it that you are like on the map or on the on the <laughs> weekly uh weather report you're going to say man thursday looks like the day you know what i'm saying like same same thing with us duck and goose hunting right right there's prime prime weather conditions like uh you know the wind's going to be perfect for hunting this spot like this is what we do what what is it that you look for
1: so it really depends on the body of water that i'm that i'm looking at if i look at a body of water and it doesn't have four out of the five things that I want but this body of water over here does I'm going to go that way. Whenever I say that I'm referring to the water level. I'm referring to the wind. I'm referring to the water temperature and I'm referring to the pressure. So all that comes into play when it comes to boat fishing because we're we're, we're using it all off of visibility, right? So yeah. if the lake level is dropping, you know, I I may know in a certain area this particular cove is gonna have an X amount of feet on it where it's a lot more fishable. It's got an X amount of structure. I'm gonna pick this place apart tonight because of this water level. But next week that water level may be up a couple more feet that may put more water somewhere else, whereas I'll be better off in a high water area. If that makes any sense. But um, the big things that I look for are big mud flats early in the spring if you can get on a big shallow water flat with scattered structure you're going to find carp it's inevitable it is one of the hot spots for any carp minnow or sucker species in that time frame because they it's just the easiest spot for them to make a make a bed and lay their eggs and protect them you know and their food source is all around them on those mud flats they feed on all kinds of crustaceans and microinvertebrates all up and down the mud And they also feed on other species that nest in these same areas. They'll push a game fish off of a bed that could be 20 feet down the bank from them and eat those eggs and go right back to their nest. You know, that's not an uncommon thing either. But that's what I try to target for the most part. Other than that, if I'm fishing a deep water lake, I concentrate a lot of my time on shallower ledges or just in general shallower creeks or coves. Um, I try to see as much as I can. You know, and the thing, the beauty of boat fishing is, it's always, like I said, it's always different. So I could have a solid plan in my head going in. We go out there and I'm dead wrong, but we can figure something out. You know, that's, that's the beauty of You can always take a step back, look, look at your five biggest things, your water level, your water temperature, you know, your clarity, and all this and that, put it all together and think of something else that you can go look at. And it could be night and day difference. It's just like, you know, bass fishing up and down the river you go up river not having any luck you go down river you've got you know another four mile an hour wind coming from the south it could completely turn things on for you you know so there's there's things in my mind that i target but it may not necessarily be the right option i may have to pick up and try something else and just kind of fly by the seat of my pants and you know hope for the best i like to say some people say that i'm good at this stuff i like to just say i'm lucky because i'm willing to run around and try. Yeah, yeah. different, areas. But um, I think that's the biggest thing is just being able, just being prepared to cover water. You know, you can't be too caught up in focusing on one certain area because it's close to the house. Yeah. Or, and yet, you, you know what I mean? You can't, it's just like, you have to be willing to put the miles in. You have to be willing to burn the gas and you, you have to be willing to be wrong. You know, you have to, you have to accept the fact that you could be wrong on figuring out where some fish are and just, be accepting to the process and learn um but i do you know keep my core fundamentals in, in my back pocket at all times you know and that's like i said everything about that water and the temperature that we're currently working with and the time of year you know put that all together and you know you start to start to pick apart the process pretty quickly you know so
0: that's great man pretty that's that's pretty stuff yeah it's, no and and before we get any further make sure <laughs> to all the guys in all of these different states sorry i meant i meant to do this a little bit in you know back up just a little bit but i meant to say make sure you check your state regulations on what fish you can shoot because <laughs> yeah. you might be able to shoot those fish in tennessee but you might go to michigan and not be able to shoot certain fish too so you make sure <laughs> make sure you check your red <laughs> Cause, like, I uh, dude, I I know a guy. I know a guy who shot the. Uh, I want to say, man, I I think there's a time or I think it's in North Dakota you can actually shoot pike. I want to say, and he shot a state record, um, like an official state record. So, but there's some states that you, you can't do that it. So it's like, man, we gotta make sure that all of our listeners. Are,
1: oh yeah, oh yeah, and every every state is different. That I mean, there's no doubt about that. Yep. Um, you know, there, there are some, like you said, some Northern states that allow the shooting of game fish and we are a strict, no game fish state. Um, you know, we are strictly just, just rough fish. Yeah. Um, I mean, the closest thing we get to that is a catfish. Some some guys around here would probably call a catfish game fish, but, uh, but yeah, that's about as close as we can get to that. Yeah. But yeah, yeah. I got it so there. Big, yeah. Definitely do your homework wherever you're listening. (laughs) Um, pause the podcast, Google it now, figure out what (laughs) you.
0: Um, so like, uh, you know, we talked we talked about getting into it and intro, all that stuff, man. We talked about some tactics to or some things to look for to get started. I mean, once people, I think once people, it's just like anything else, man. You get you got to get reps in. You get reps in. You learn you know you yep. you gotta in order to learn how to win you gotta lose you know what i'm saying so you got to get your butt kicked uh and i
1: cannot prove that enough man yeah. you have to be willing to get your butt kicked i cannot tell you how many times we've gone out and just been dog cussing mad yeah feeling absolutely defeated at the butt round
0: yep yeah and, and you know it's like one of those things like uh you gotta you gotta take your two fish or one fish or whatever and then you know you're just learning that's that's it so uh but what you know when you we just you know talking a little bit about losing like what let's just hear some of your like i guess so with those tournaments a lot of them go by weight right? right so what what is the most the most weight you've brought in on a tournament
1: uh and the most weight we actually won the tournament it was a so the tournaments are formatted in a lot of different ways but this particular shoot was a total weight shoot so there were no restrictions on the species obviously everything that was legal um was permitted and they they, there was no cap on a number so you could bring back as many rough fish as you possibly could and your total weight was your you know was your your deciding factor so we ended up winning that tournament with um a little over 1100 pounds it was a it was 1172 total Dang. and i and i can't tell you the number of fish that was um we also did we also did get our big fish of the night which was which was a uh, 63.4 pound buffalo Dude, so that's a we, ho-
0: that's a hot did you have to shoot it like twice or three times uh
1: five or six oh yeah. god yeah yeah we up having arrows pull out, and you know, had to get the gaff in her. It was, it was a fight, That's <laughs> was definitely a brawl. Yeah.
0: So what's yeah. what's the most amount of fish you've shot?
1: The most amount of fish was, man, it was in an airboat, and it wasn't in a, it wasn't in a tournament by any means. It was just, uh, it was a number shoot with a couple of friends of mine that love going after small gar and shad because they travel in such big schools and they can you know, shoot plenty of times. Yeah. One thing that these guys love to do is roll up on the school, shoot, 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 back off the school, go find another school, shoot, 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 shoot do it all night long. I think that the highest number I've gotten with them was a little over five hundred. We shot it. it was right at five twenty five.
0: Yeah. For night. night. For a night. Yeah, dude.
1: They, yeah, for a night. And they just these guys are just filling up five gallon buckets full of shad and little baby gar. Um Pretty, pretty intense. It's a heck of a workout. I'll say that. I mean, they, these guys have their bows completely designed for it. You know, they yeah think the bows all the way down to, you know, 17, 18 pounds, which, you know, by drawing back, it feels like nothing. Yeah. You know, shave their arrows down, draw, you know, draw their, their draw length down. Maybe they really design everything for it. And they shoot that way all night long. <laughs> and it's yeah. pretty cool to see, but I don't know that I could do it all the time. I mean...
0: Five five hundred fish. You got to think, man. How many times a bow is being drawn back in a night to shoot five hundred fish? You know what I'm saying? Like, I mean, you got to factor in those misses too. Man. Oh yeah, that's what I'm, that's what I'm talking about. Like, you're just you. How many? How many? I guess I mean that's a that's a crazy ratio to think of right now. But like, how many yeah. how many times you'd be pulling back to shoot one fish? I know what mine is. It's gonna be like I'm gonna kill a
1: fish. One out of every six, you know yep, what I'm saying? Yep, absolutely. <laughs> so, but I guess it happens so quickly because those, you know, those schools of shad and schools of gar will get so concentrated right at your feet that you can draw your bow, you know, at a at a half draw and let your arrow go. And if you miss, you just you're reeling, yeah, three four or five feet of line in, and yeah. you get right back on target pretty quick, you know, and yeah, that and your adrenaline's going, even though it's a tiny little fish, your adrenaline's going so much that. I mean, I, there's been times where I've shot 20 times at one fish and I couldn't hit him, but I didn't realize I shot so many times, you know, it's just cause I, I'm getting so excited over it. But, uh, I think that's, that's one of the reasons why those guys do it. They just, they, it's a lot less effort and they can shoot like crazy and they can get really, really good at their shoot.
0: So last, last question before, I know yep. you're, I know you're at work and, uh, I greatly appreciate your time, man. Last question. And I know every single person is thinking it right now because they're like, man, 500 fish, what's that dude do with 500 (laughs) fish? So what, what do you do with all these fish that you're shooting? Um, Go ahead.
1: There's a few different ways to to go about it. Um, What we do is I have access to a property that we basically supply the fish for compost. They have um, a number of pits dug out on their property in a, in a backfield and they're, they're gardeners. They, they run a few greenhouses and they use this compost for their soil, you know, and their, um, and their plants and all the greenhouses and they swear up and down about the, the fish oils and the the nutrients that come with the fish. Um, so I, I will say, man, I, it doesn't smell the best, but whenever you go out to these pits and take a look at the soil after they've turned it over, you know, with a few batches of fish, man, it it starts to look like miracle grow. I mean, it just turns black and it's just rich as could be. Um, absolutely. I mean, the best you can get, Yeah, you know? Um, so I do a lot of that. I contribute a lot of my fish to that. Um, other than that, another popular thing that's starting to come up around here is fish emulsion.
0: Yeah.
1: So they basically break these fish down to a liquid form and they sell them to farmers and yeah, d- different, Agricultural uses, um, but a lot of these farmers will take and spray it as fertilizer, yeah. you know, on their fields, and it's the stuff is like steroids. Yeah. I mean, same, if
0: same thing as what the other guys were doing, just in a liquefied form, you know.
1: Yep, yeah. yep, yeah. and you know, touching back on Louisiana, you know, a lot of these guys, they're they have contracts with dog and cat food plants, mm-hmm. and these guys can shoot piles of fish in a night and bring them in to these, you know, to these different plants and you know have have a check written out for them. And you know, they pay a a small percentage for, you know, per pound, but it's going somewhere. It's getting um what I try to stress to people that are getting into it, I try my best to stress this because it's one of those things that a lot of people just kind of bat an eye with bow fishing at. And that's mostly just leaving fish at a boat ramp. If you ever go, if you ever go with someone or if you're walking the banks of the boat ramp, you shoot a couple of fish, you want to take a picture of them. By all means, do it. Lay them out, get a nice picture. Just do not leave your fish on the bank. Do not leave them on the ramp. It just—it's a bad look on all of us. It's just like us, if we were to, you know, trash a boat ramp after ducking one day.
0: Oh yeah, leave, I mean, our, you know, breast out ducks and throw them on the bank. Like, dude, that's that's a no go. That's a etiquette exactly. deal. That's an ethics deal.
1: You yeah. have to follow those ethics, and that's the only thing that I try to preach with new people. No, and that's great. Another thing that I try to preach as well is that we've all got our backs, you know, if, um, if anyone that's listening to this, you know, if you want to look me up and add me on Facebook, Instagram, if you bow fish, if you're anywhere near my area, if you ever need anything, I will be here for you because I know that nine out of the 10 guys in my phone that do this same thing would be the exact same way. And I think that's, that's another thing that I appreciate so much out of it that relates to waterfowling. Yeah. You know what I mean? it's the same way we carry it you know in all aspects um but it's it's a really tight community and it's something i always encourage people to get into same with that county, you know it's uh it's a it's a fun sport for everyone involved and i definitely want to see it grow even more i mean the more we grow the more strength we have totally. know, the, the, the bigger voice we wow. have so i definitely appreciate you you know giving me the time to talk about it and express you know my views and <laughs> i don't know oh,
0: I think that, you know, anytime, anytime we, we get guys from different regions, areas, whether it's waterfowl, turkey, fishing, whatever, man, like there's always something to learn from that person. So I wanted, you know, I know in your area, man, like you're pretty successful at what you do and you're one of those guys that is nonstop on the go chasing something And pretty dang good at chasing it so if you can you know I can guarantee you somebody learned something from this and you know that's that's what it's all about like we talked about earlier in the podcast you know like we got young guys uh, that were taking out hunting whether they shoot something or not man they're learning something so that's the whole goal behind this man is to hopefully uh, teach some people a few things along the way so man Drew I, I really really appreciate you hopping on here with me um Absolutely, man. Thank time you for having me. me. no problem man no problem at all
1: um, i'll be seeing you here in a
0: couple weeks <laughs> yeah two weeks man I, I thought you were coming up next weekend but i got my dates mixed
1: up so. i shouldn't have even said anything i should have just left you in the dark
0: yeah know. dude i would have been like where the heck is drew at like got your bed made got dinner cooked <laughs> like when are you gonna be here dog like oh i'm gonna be there wednesday <laughs> So,
1: yeah, yeah, gonna be a little bit later, my friend, but I'll be there.
0: It's all good, man. Well, everybody, I appreciate you guys listening. Uh, that is the Dive Bomb Squadcast uh, podcast, and we appreciate you all tuning in and listening. If you ever have any questions, just hit one of us up, and we'll be more than happy to help.
1: Thank you for listening to the Dive Bomb Squadcast.